It's March 22nd, 1630, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. So it was on this day that anti-gambling legislation was enacted in Boston, which is not entirely surprising. We've covered the um, Puritans before, but it is still somewhat sobering to read the decree from this day, which said, quote, All persons whatsoever that have cards, dice or tables in their homes make away with them under pain of punishment. They weren't just coming for the hardcore poker players. It was against the law to own some dice. Wow. And tables. (laughs) Burn your tables. Burn that sacrilegious furniture. These sinful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So this was at the session of the Court of Assistance, which was kind of the council which presided over the Massachusetts colony at the time. At this same session, they passed other laws. They passed laws mandating various settlements to arm all their citizens. But other things that were banned by Puritans during this time include celebrating Christmas, smoking and wearing clothes with more than two slashes in the sleeves which was considered fancy holy moly you can't say that either <laughs> yeah also <laughs> take him to the stocks <laughs> what's the problem with celebrating christmas was it that they thought that wasn't jesus's birthday or maybe it's just the celebrating aspect it's all going to lead to dicing and then prostitution. They actually, funnily <laughs> enough, it seems like the only festivals that Puritans were happy for people to celebrate were the secular ones. They thought that there shouldn't be mm. such a thing as a religious holiday. There should just be religious days of fasting and thinking hard. Well, good luck to them stamping out gambling because it has had, <laughs> uh, quite frankly, uh, a pretty significant sway on humanity throughout much of our history. And if you look just at the Americas themselves, the native people were risking pretty much everything they owned sometimes. In the Jamestown region, colonists encountered people gambling uh, with sticks and straws, uh, and elsewhere they were gambling on the outcome of athletic events. But then the colonists themselves also brought their own gambling practices. Gambling was really widespread and popular across Britain. And recent Jamestown archaeological digs have uncovered both dice and pegs that are similar to those used in a a sort of gambling game that's quite like backgammon. You know, if you're going to travel across an ocean... A game like backgammon is a good one to bring with you, isn't it? It's easy to travel with and it's something to do. So by the time you get there, it's inevitable that you're going to start playing it there, whatever the overlords are saying. And in fact, it was so endemic that within a century of this day, there was a popular card game called Boston, which (laughs) migrated to New Orleans and became the namesake for the Boston Club which is a popular gaming venue. So (laughs) this edict that no one should be gambling really didn't work. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Because we associate the USA so much with gambling. If you think you've got, obviously you've got Las Vegas and Atlantic City, but you've also got Mississippi riverboat gamblers. You think of the Wild West, you think of Mm. people sitting around playing poker. Mm. But for most of America's history, gambling has either been outright banned in most places or incredibly tightly controlled to the point that it wasn't until the Supreme Court decision in 2018 that sports betting was legalised at the federal level. Mm. Even what you might imagine as the most common form of gambling, you know, wagering on the outcome of a football match or whatever, that was more or less completely banned until 2018. And even now, most states don't allow online betting, which I think from a UK perspective, we tend to think of as being the main Mm. form of gambling. Mm. Well, actually, even in the UK, off-course gambling on sports wasn't legal until the 1960s. Before that, you had to go and hand your cash to the bloke with the sandwich board standing by the racetrack. 
So all the guys that hang out in the bookies, like what were they doing before 1960? <laughs> Smoking and drinking without the excuse of following the racing, I presume. Well, efforts had been made in the colonies previously before this edict arrived uh, to stamp out gambling. And in Virginia, for example, Captain John Smith complained about men devoted only to idleness. And the colony adopted the laws divine, moral and martial in 1610 and 1612 to try to control this kind of behaviour. But it just didn't really change anything. People kept on gambling. And same over in New England, where obviously you had the Puritans. And Colin Mather called it a great dishonour to God. And the prevailing view was that gambling was inherently sinful and led men from God's grace. Uh, And gambling was sort of regarded as this window uh, through which a person could pass to worse sins. So people were really worried that this was going to be a vice that would lead to other vices. And it's interesting that you mentioned vice and immorality, because... I think it's easy to imagine that from the very beginning, there was a religious component to anti-gambling movements. But from what I was able to find anyway, that wasn't really the case. The earliest ban on gambling in England was in 1388, and it ordered servants and labourers specifically to stop playing football, dice, skittles and tennis. So there was no distinction between... It's just a funny addition to that list. (laughs) I don't know why. This country is going to the dogs. (laughs) (laughs) That's it, isn't it? Before you know it, you're 10-pin bowling. But yeah, these laws didn't make any distinction between gambling and just games Mm. and they were all motivated by this idea that the men of the country needed to be practicing their archery all the men in the country were obliged under the law to practice archery but what we can glean from these laws is that not enough of them were doing it they were spending their days off playing games instead there was no conception of wagering as a vice in and of itself it was just parceled in with all the idle entertainments that were wasting people's time it wasn't until the 1600s that laws came in that started to distinguish gambling from other forms of games Mm. and then this new image emerged of the gambler, you know, this person with a terrible moral vice inside them. Mm. It's difficult because the reason the distinction emerged in Britain was partly because King James himself had published this book of sports in which he listed a whole load of games that he believed should be permitted on the Sabbath, including things like dancing and archery and leaping and vaulting after you'd attended church. <laughs> it's really easy to get published when you're the king. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> He's like, my next book will just be a list of games and they're like okay Good, that's sounds good. Be great, your, your highness <laughs> but the reason that he published that was because there was this puritanical movement which said no on the sabbath you absolutely must just devote yourself to god and not do anything else and anything else is immoral and the king was trying to say no no come on guys like there's nothing wrong with a bit of vaulting and then what happened by making that distinction saying these things are okay and then these things aren't is that actually sort of made the problem worse for the things that really did have a bit of an edge, like gambling on sports. Mm. Because if the king hadn't explicitly permitted them, you were kind of against the king and the Puritans. Yeah, and then in addition to the religious morality, in the early decades of the 20th century, you saw this concern for the integrity of sports in themselves. That was because the restrictions on gambling in the US were so strict that gangsters had stepped in to fill the gap. So there was an association Mm. between organised crime and gambling, which meant that you had a lot of fixes, because obviously if a gang leader tells you, you need to throw this next match, you're probably going to do it. So then there became not just religious concerns about the vice of gambling, but also on the integrity of sports. You know, sport had become a national pastime especially the radio was starting to permeate into the mainstream so more people than ever were following sports and then you had these high profile scandals 
Uh, the main one was the 1919 World Series when eight White Sox players, baseball players, conspired with gamblers, including Arnold Rothstein, who you may have heard of, to throw the championship, which they did. And it caused this gigantic scandal and this concern that, you know, what's supposed to be this whole some activity is being corrupted by gambling. In the early days, there was one acceptable form of gambling, which was that lotteries were used to help fund those early colonies. And the historian Neil Millikan found approximately 390 lotteries that were held across the 13 uh, colonies, which were intended to get these fledgling settlements off the ground. But they started to be controlled in 1769, when a restriction was placed on them by the British Crown, which became one of the things that fueled tensions between the colonies in Britain that led, among many other criticisms and complaints to the American Revolution. It's so funny, isn't it, that once the government is able to make money out of gambling, suddenly it's right. okay. It's all okay. Yeah. <laughs> repeatedly, don't we? Nowadays, under 30% of Americans think that gambling is morally wrong. So that includes even the Christian right, who mm. struggle to get as excited and animated about gambling as they do about things like euthanasia and abortion. There's been a boom across the US in online gambling in particular that's been so profound that at the most recent Super Bowl, 32 million Americans bet $7 billion on the outcome. You know, this is a huge amount of people to be betting on the outcome of a single sporting event. Is there oldie-woldy gambling that you fancy trying, Arian? I've been reading the list of popular games of the kind of 17th century. Whist... Pickway, cribbage. I've heard of, heard of cribbage at least. Yeah. Loo, as in like euphemism for toilet. That's a card game apparently. Putt, all fours. Those are the posh ones. And then at the slightly, I imagine, more common end of the scale, bear baiting, cock fights, dog fights, target shooting, wrestling matches, and dogs killing rats. I mean, I am probably going to bet on the dog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it was which dog killed faster. I think that was the game. Makes more sense. Tomorrow. Insisted on attending a production at the Theatre Royal in Covent Garden, and eight days later he died. Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network.